0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We left off in the 14th verse last week. If you missed that teaching, I would encourage you to go online and listen to that. So if you're taking notes today, you can write down this title, Focused Forward, or you can always follow along online as well if you want to Follow along on the U Version Bible app, but we're going to talk about focusing forward today. And really the theme of this message as I read throughout Philippians chapter 3 is I see one of Paul still addressing the topic of unity, and I see him also addressing the topic of unity in correlation to spiritual maturity. Because a lot of people think that they're spiritually mature, but they don't really know what that means. A lot of times we equate maturity to tenure, and that's not really what that word means. Just because I've been doing something a really long time time doesn't mean i've been doing it well (laughs) just because i've been involved in something for a really long time does not make me an expert it just means i haven't moved or changed right i've just been exposed to the environment for a long time and i think sometimes as christians we fall into the trap of equating tenure with spiritual maturity and we think that just because we've been exposed to a christian environment for some time and we think that just because we have been exposed to teaching and christian relationships that that makes us spiritually mature well it does not it doesn't mean we're healthy it doesn't mean that we're spiritually mature it just means that we have the ability to stay somewhere in an environment for a really long time Now, that's important for us to be faithful and for us to plant roots, but we need to be challenged. We need to grow. We need to see things in ourselves that we allow God to work on our heart, so we can evaluate, correct, so we can change those things. True growth is going to be a continual evaluation and correction and changing and growing. That's true maturity, and real maturity is going to have fruit to go along with it, right? Not just a number. Just because I've been married for 30 years doesn't mean I have a great marriage. It just means we tolerated each other for a really long time. Now I'm sure you've learned some things along the way, but a good marriage will be one that has been worked at. Amen? Be one that has been evaluated, one that has been invested in. Not just one where we just stuck together for a long time. And it's the same thing in our walk with the Lord. It's not just a number that we attach. Well, I've been a Christian for X amount of years. Or we go down the laundry list of all of the things that we have accomplished. Kind of like the Apostle Paul talked about last week in philippians 3 when he was talking about the judaizers remember he said if anyone can put confidence in their flesh as a means to salvation i can do it more than they can because here's all of the wonderful things that i've accomplished in my life but what did he say i counted it as i counted it as nothing I counted it as a loss. In other words, I'm not going to go rattle off my resume to everyone to let them see how awesome I am or how spiritually mature that I am. So I'm going around kind of tooting my own horn or I'm putting my confidence in my own accomplishments. Paul said, I put my hope in Christ. Everything else is a loss. I cling to the cross. I'm holding on to Him that I would be a bearer of His image, that I would be clinging to the cross. And that's what Paul talked about when we went through Philippians 3 So let's pick up in verse 15 and let's read verse 15 and 16 here together. Philippians chapter 3. He said, "...therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind." So he wants us to think this way. In other words, he's referencing back to what he just talked about, uh, about not putting confidence in the flesh, but putting confidence in Christ. So he said, if we're mature, we're going to think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, he said, God's going to reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Now, Paul is referencing the fact that I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, okay? He has constantly admitted, I still have weakness. I'm still pressing towards the mark. I'm still growing. I haven't figured everything out. And he wanted to. To under he wanted everyone in Philippi to understand that his relationship with God was not defined by all of the things that he had done, but rather what he was clinging to that Christ had done. And he was encouraging the Philippians to understand that this is the mark of maturity. And he said to be of this same mind. In other words, I believe Paul was saying to the church in Philippi and saying that to us today, that unity and understanding the gospel is true spiritual maturity. Because as we look back on what Paul has been saying he's really been talking about the gospel he's been talking about how we need to put not our faith in works but put our faith in Christ and that alone is the weight of the gospel and he said you need to be together on this thing okay you don't need to think that it's this or that that saves you we need to be of the same mind so unity in understanding the gospel is spiritual maturity and Paul was challenging the level of maturity in the heart of the Philippians I believe I think he's kind of confronting them, challenging them, because he's about to deal with the situation at this church between two people that can't get along real well. He was really saying, listen, if you're mature, the message of the cross is going to get sweeter and sweeter to you because, as he said earlier, everything else is a loss for Christ. Amen? Amen. He said, everything else is, is a loss except Christ. I count nothing else gain in this world. But all I can say is that this that has apprehended me, I'm just pressing towards it. I'm wanting to apprehend that. I'm wanting to hold on to Christ because really at the end of the day, that's all that I have to show for myself and that's all that really is going to matter when everything is said and done. And he said, You need to be like minded. You need to be thinking this way. This needs to be the thing that brings you together because there's so many things in the church that would want to divide. There's so many things in this world that would want to divide people, would want to put us into different classes, put us into different categories, would want to just separate us and put us all over the place and all over the map. But yet, Paul said, This is how you get together because you understand the gospel and when you grow in your understanding of the gospel then you begin to understand grace you begin to understand mercy you begin to understand forgiveness you begin to understand truth you begin to understand the heartbeat of god and as you understand these things that is really a mark of spiritual maturity is unity in the gospel let's keep on reading philippians 3 and verse 17 brethren Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. So we're showing you the way. We're showing you how to do this thing. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven." From which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able to subdue all things to Himself. Now, here Paul is addressing the other side of the coin here. He's addressing those who have taken the message of the gospel, the one that brings liberty and freedom and forgiveness, and the one that brings grace, and he identifies the fact that they're abusing grace to fill their bellies with the things of this world. They're taking advantage of the message of the gospel to satisfy their flesh, and that was never the intent. You remember when Paul was preaching to the church in Rome, when he wrote that letter to them, and he said, am I writing these things so that uh, you can sin more and more so that grace can abound more and more? He said, no, no, no. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Although to those who are earthly minded, the message of grace and the message of the gospel may appear like it gives you a license to do whatever you want to do and there's no consequence for anything and you can just do whatever you want to and oh, well, I go to church and I pay my tithe and I volunteer every now and then and I'm a good person and I don't do this and I don't do that and so I'm a Christian but then I just do whatever I want the rest of the time. Paul's saying no there are people who do that he said and their end is destruction because they're filling their bellies with the stuff of this world he said that's not the purpose of the message of grace so you can just go live however you want to live in a way that's not bringing glory to god he said that's not the purpose of it but there are those who miss the mark their end is destruction their god is their belly." They're just looking to put in themselves whatever satisfies temporarily their flesh. And he said, so that's not it either. I want you to understand it's not, it's not my laundry list of all of my good things that I've done. And then it's not the other side of the coin where I'm forgiven and full. Uh, I'm a recipient of grace and I just go do whatever I want to do either. He said, there's another side to this thing. And I know that it would appear that you're saying, oh, well, you did all these good things. Should I not do these good things and just do whatever I want? He said, that's not what I'm saying. There are those who are, who are seeking after that, who are wanting that. Paul's saying spiritual maturity and like-mindedness comes from properly understanding that the purpose of grace is to empower the believer to live this life in a way that is to bring glory to God that is going to be a testimony to the greatness of God, not a license to sin. Amen, somebody. Not, not a passive individual who's just supposed to just let everyone roll over them and run, run over them. He said it's not a passivity thing, but it's something that is supposed to reflect a heart that is connected to heaven, but yet lives here on earth. That's what a true relationship with Christ is going to do. Because now that we can have access to God, now we're actually citizens, Paul says, of heaven while we live here on earth. So therefore our lives should reflect heaven to those who have no hope. Our lives should reflect something better, should reflect something more joyful, more peaceful, something that's more content, something that is more loving, forgiving, and grace-bearing and light-bearing to a world that's saturated in darkness because we're connected to heaven. And everything that is in heaven, God says you have relationship with the One who is the Creator of all. And if you truly know Him, He said then, grace is supposed to reflect the fact that we know him not empower you to sin not empower you to do whatever you want to do it's all good it's all cool because i'm living under grace no it's actually supposed to reflect relationship in other words people are supposed to see man there's something different about that individual they must know god they must have that connection with him and that only comes through christ amen Too many times we try to go the opposite way. We try to have that connection with God by the things we do. And Paul said, that's not going to work. You can't have a connection to God by how good you are. No, you have the connection to God through how good Christ is. And then in turn, what happens is that his goodness floods my heart and reflects to the world. Does that make sense? You see, it's not that I try to be good to earn a relationship with God because I can't. That's not how it works. I can't earn a relationship with God. And here Paul is saying, listen, the Judaizers try to earn relationship with God. He said, and then there are also those who think that because they have grace and they have forgiveness that they can go out and do whatever they want. And their destruction is going to be, you know, the fact that they're feeding their bellies all of this junk that is just feeding their flesh and that sinful nature And they haven't put to to death the deeds of the flesh at the cross. They don't really know Him. They just know about Him. He said, so the mark of spiritual maturity is being like-minded in understanding not only the fact that we know the gospel, but we understand the purpose of the gospel and we never stop growing in that. And that the more that we grow in that, the more that it reflects we know Him. Not just know about Him. Amen? Amen. I, I mean, I think a lot of people... A lot of people know a lot of good things in their head. A lot of people know what's right in their mind. But they don't really have a true understanding of the gospel. And I'll tell you one of the ways that I know that a lot of people don't have a true understanding of the gospel is because they're not growing in the gospel becoming sweeter to them as much as they think the gospel is just a check mark on my journey and I've checked it off and now what's next? I'm moving on. And I think that the weight of growing in the gospel, the fact that I was a sinner that was dead, cut off from right relationship with God, and that Jesus came in and he fixed everything, and now I have to put my faith in him and he gives me that connection. And the more I grow in understanding the weight of that, and that doesn't become old to me, but it only becomes sweeter. Paul said, that's a mark of maturity. He said, because that's the kind of mind that needs to be in you. That's how you need to be like minded, not putting your hope in your works, not putting your hope in the fact that you can just go do whatever you want to do either, because that's not a true reflection of understanding grace properly. He said, it's a balance. He said, that's why we've set an example for you. (laughs) He said, the way that we've been living this thing out and the way that we've been doing this thing, he said, we've given you a pattern to follow and we want you to see this because if you understand it, it's going to keep you together. Because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come in and try to divide you. He said, but if you understand the true message of the gospel, it's actually going to bring you together. Let's keep on reading in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, and my longed-for brethren, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Can't you hear the weight of Paul's love for these people here? I mean, he's saying, my beloved, my longed-for brethren, my crown, my joy stand fast in the lord and he uses the word beloved again he loves these folks he cares about them and he says i, I implore you odia and i implore sinchi we'll go with that okay to be of the same mind in the lord so these are two ladies here okay and they got problems up in the church these ladies are not getting along something has divided them we don't know what but something has divided them to the point that Paul, who is in prison, heard about it. <laughs> and it was obviously a big enough deal that he felt the need to address it in this letter to the church at Philippi. He's, listen, these two ladies, they really need to be of the same mind in the Lord. I implore these two ladies, so please let them read this, let them hear this. They need to be of the same mind. In other words, everything I just talked about, they need to get on the same page and be in unity. He said, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. We need to focus on what's important here, okay? We need to rejoice because the hour of the Lord is at hand. We don't have time to play games. That's what Paul is telling these two ladies. And he's trying to encourage them to actually go to these ladies and let's fix this. Let's make this thing right. There's a lot of stuff happening here in these five verses. Paul is saying, listen, spiritual maturity is going to seek to reconcile and unite, not to divide. That's what true spiritual maturity is going to do. It's going to seek to reconcile and unite, not to divide. Because what is the gospel message? It is a message of reconciliation. Someone who did not deserve it, who did not earn it, who could never deserve it, who could never earn it, but yet you get it anyways. That is the message of the gospel. And if we understand the gospel, then our heartbeat is going to be one that is going to reflect that same love, that same unity. What was Jesus' prayer? He said, make them one as we are one. The heart of God is for unity, especially in His body, in His church, in the bride of Christ. And spiritual maturity is going to look to reconcile and unite, not divide. So in other words... If you are surrounded with people or, or around people who are always dividing, who never want to reconcile, who never want to make things right, who are always gossiping, who are always sowing negativity, who every time you get together it's a bashing session of the neighbor, the boss, that church, this church. If that's the only thing that brings you together then that is a sign that there's an area of my life that has not truly understood the gospel. That I have not allowed to infiltrate my heart. Because I'm not interested in coming together. I'm not interested in trying to reconcile. I'm not interested in bringing unity. No, I'm more interested in being right. And when being right outweighs my desire to allow the body of Christ those who bear the name of Christ, who bear the light of Christ in this world to show the unity and the forgiveness and the grace that I have received, then that shows in my area there's something that's been exposed that I need to allow my understanding of the gospel to grow. Because if I receive forgiveness, does it stop with me, church? Is forgiveness just for me and I'm just supposed to be a big old bucket that receives all this forgiveness? I feel bad about what I've done in my past. Oh, I could tell you stories. I feel bad. I will lay awake at night thinking about all the things that I've done wrong and how bad I feel. But then one night, Jesus came into my living room, let me tell you something, and he grabbed my heart and made all of my sins wash away. But I'm not going to forgive my neighbor. (laughs) Say, what? 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 I'm going I'm to sit on the other side of the church because so-and-so goes there and I just hope I don't run into him. Really? Is that an understanding of the gospel? No, you just got a really good story that you can tell about how you received grace, but then it just stopped with you. I just received grace and I feel happy, happy, happy in my heart. I am not supposed to be Just a recipient of grace because a true understanding of the gospel is going to be a what? A conduit of grace. Because I'm going to give, I mean I'm going to receive, then I'm going to give. It's going to flow through me because that's how we show the love of God. That's how we show that we understand the gospel because the same grace that I've received, the same grace that I give. The same love I receive, the same love I forgive. I think there was a parable that Jesus told about a guy who owed a lot of money to his master and he begged him to forgive him and the master said, sure, I'll forgive you, buddy. And then the same guy who was forgiven went and found somebody who owed him a lot less money and had him thrown in jail until he could pay. You remember that story? Kind of the to whom much is given, much is required. He who has been forgiven much must also forgive much. You see, spiritual maturity is going to seek to reconcile and unite, not divide. And Paul is saying, these two ladies need to figure this out. Because the day of the Lord is at hand. He said, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice because our time is short and we're happy about that. So we don't have time to play these games. We don't have time to sit in the church all swole up at each other. We need to figure this thing out because someone who is spiritually mature is going to be someone who will seek reconciliation and unity. Not continue to drive the wedge of division. Not continue to allow their mouths to speak negative things that are going to plant seeds in other people's minds and hearts to cause them to question things or cause them to carry another one's uh, offense. But it's going to be one that's, I want to do what Jesus said in Matthew 18, where I go to the person in spirit of love and then with a heart of reconciliation to make this thing right. So Paul was saying, listen, you need to understand what's important, ladies. You need to be in unity concerning the gospel. And he was reminding them of this gospel. He said, don't you remember earlier in my letter when I was saying everything else is a loss? He said the things I've referenced earlier, that's why he uses words like therefore, And that's really what he's saying when he says, therefore, he's saying, therefore, in other words, reference back to what I said, therefore, I urge you, I implore you, my beloved, those that I care about, my crown, I I love you, I I have invested my life for you, implore these two ladies to make this right, because you remember what I wrote earlier. Consider the cross. You see, when we think of what we've been forgiven, it brings to light. The weight of forgiveness we need to distribute to others, especially in the church. Amen? Paul was saying, listen, these ladies are both Christians. He was not questioning the fact whether or not they were Christians because he said these people's names are in the book of life. These people are known by God. The book of life is, 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 is really that, 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 that kind of a metaphor, if you will, for the memory of God. Like those names are, hey, God knows their names. They are a part of his family. They're a part of the church. And he said, listen, these ladies are known in the book of life. God knows who they are. They have an understanding of forgiveness and grace. But sometimes we can get a little off track. And we need to be reeled back in and reminded of the gospel. Reminded of what has been extended to us so we can extend that to other people. And Paul said, we need to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, be happy, be glad, be thankful. Be thankful as, as, as we're moving forward for the time of the Lord is at hand. And thankfulness helps us to focus on what is important because thankfulness will keep us focusing forward. Thankfulness will keep us moving forward. A thankful, grateful heart is going to be pers- in, interested in preserving unity instead of being right. And if you always have to be right and you always feel the need to correct everyone else or you always must have everyone agree with you, try rejoicing in the Lord. (laughs) Again, I say rejoice. You see, because thankfulness really helps us to develop a a humble heart. It really shows humility in our lives because thankfulness will humble you. Remember a few weeks ago when I said genuinely thank five people? Every day, if you were here a few weeks ago, I told a story about how a a business leader that I was listening to on Dave Ramsey's podcast that he was interviewing said to genuinely thank five people every day and watch how it changes you. Why would that change me? Because it humbles me to realize that I'm not owed anything, that everything that is good in my life is truly a gift. I was having a a meeting with a guy the other day, and he just uses words that I don't know. The way he uses those words, it just kind of makes you want to listen to him more and more. He just speaks so well. I was meeting with this guy, and he is a, a very well established business leader. Guy's really sharp, and uh, he trains leaders just all over, and he's just such a dynamic individual. And I was sitting down with him for a meeting, and he said, Before we start this meeting, first of all, I want to say thank you. I said, Okay. Sure, for, for what? You know, I mean, he, he bought my tea. You know, <laughs> He said, I want to thank you for the gift of your time. He said, I consider what we're doing here a gift. And I'm sitting there going, Okay, never had anyone tell me that before. I consider the fact that you would take time out of your schedule to come and sit down with me as, as a gift. So I receive that gift and I say thank you, and I want to make sure that we utilize our time in the absolute best way that we can here together to where we'll both leave edified and benefited. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I wanted to talk to this guy now, right? (laughs) I really wanted to hear what he had to say, even more so than I did when I showed up. Because this guy was just so generous to to give me that, and he didn't owe me that, I didn't ask for that, and then after I shared some things with him, and and, kind of shared with him the direction of some things I was doing, kind of gave him some behind the scenes of things I was doing, he's not connected with our church in any way, so I wanted to just kind of share with him what's going on at the church, and kind of some things I'm working on, you know, how I like to work on things, and so I told him about how, you know, we got this coming, and this coming, and this coming, and he said, thank you so much for sharing that with me, he said, I consider that a gift, he said, that's, I, I treasure when people, consider that they can share with me things that they're working on he said man he said just lets me know that the individual trusts me he said and i consider that a gift and i thought wow this guy is genuinely thanking me here and i kind of got that check in my heart i remember when i told the church to do that a few weeks ago and i'm like have i done that today have i thanked someone genuinely have i really stopped to thank someone even for just taking time out for a meeting i mean genuinely thank them, genuinely thank them for doing something that maybe I've taken for granted, because I think that when we are thankful that it begins to work something in our heart, that God uses that to work something in our heart. In verse 5, Paul says, Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. You see, the kingdom of God is more important than whatever issue you may have or whatever you're so focused on being right about. So instead of being right, make it right. I'm going to say that again because you're like, I heard what you said, but I don't know if you heard what I said. So I want to say it again. Instead of focusing on you being right, you need to focus instead on make it, making it right. Because here's the thing. When we become a thankful person, our gentleness will be known to all men. Do people see you handling conflict with gentleness? Or do they see you handling conflict with bashing, gossip, or an aggravated tone, or an argument of spirit? Because I think God uses thankfulness to work in us a gentle, humble heart. Paul said that let your gentleness be known to all men. And one of the ways that I think God works that in our hearts is when we truly become thankful. And I think that what really helps us to become thankful is when we realize the weight of the gospel. When we realize the weight of the gospel, it stirs worship in my heart and it helps me to become thankful. I become grateful. So instead of treating the cross of Christ and the act of reconciliation that happened on the cross as just an event that I check off of my to-do list while I'm here on this earth, it just becomes about me growing to know Him more and more. About me becoming more and more thankful and more appreciative of what He has done for me. And when that just begins to just overwhelm my heart, my mind, then my life truly becomes a life that is thankful, that becomes humble, that becomes grateful, that becomes one that grows in spiritual maturity, that is producing the fruit of the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. That the results and all the things that people try to manufacture and create how-tos and ten steps to try to get it this way or that way, those things begin to produce out of my life naturally because I'm thankful, because I'm grateful, because I understand the gospel, because I'm gentle, because I feel the weight of what He's done for me. So I am willing to preserve unity. I'm willing to take the first step and be the bigger person. I'm willing to do what it takes to reconcile. I'm willing to step out. And those are signs. Of spiritual maturity, but it all comes from the weight of the gospel. Let's keep on reading in verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. How should we let our request be made known unto God? He said, Don't worry about it, don't be anxious, but with everything, you need to be praying. And supplication with thanksgiving, that's how you need to let your request be made known unto God. And then verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Where does anxiety come from? Anxiety comes from a desire to be in control. If you really look at the root of it. It's really where anxiety comes from because think about the things that you're worried about. Think about those of you that are worrying about something right now and you really are not hearing much of what I'm saying because you're worried about that bill or that confrontation at at your job the next day or you're worried about this or you're worried about that. Think about the, the worry. Why are you worried about that? Because you can't control the situation. Right? At the root of it, that's really why you're worried about it. That's why you've hit the repeat button over and over again because there's really nothing you can do about it. And so you're worried about it. And, And God says, listen, unload your heart to me. Unload your heart to me because I care for you. He said, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Do this with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. That word supplication... That's a church word I think that we use a lot of times. And we know that scripture and we'll say that scripture. And when people say it, yes, amen. But what does that really mean with prayer and supplication? I looked that word up. Supplication literally means to petition with humility and thankfulness. So we're petitioning with humility and thankfulness. Because thankfulness works in us a gentle, humble heart. That's how God says we need to pray. He said, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about it because I know that you can't control it. So you need to unload it and give it to me because it's not yours to control, even if it's a mistake that you made. It's time for you to put it into the hands of God and unload this into Just the heart of the Lord. Because he says, I care for you. I want to carry this. I don't want you carrying this. I want you to understand the weight of forgiveness. I want you to understand the weight of grace. I want you to understand that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And why are you so downcast, O your soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you carrying these things around that I didn't want you to carry around? Give me those things through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And then the peace of God that surpasses your understanding. It doesn't make sense why you can navigate this situation with peace because it passes your understanding. It passes your ability to be able to create it. So in other words, the peace of God is not something you can manufacture. It's something that you receive through thankfulness, prayer, and supplication. He said it's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. Because when you're worried about stuff, you ain't think it's Right? <laughs> right? You're not really thinking straight. You're not really in the position to make the best decisions when you're worried about stuff. But he says, I want the peace of God to flood your heart and your mind and actually guard it. But that comes through you giving this to the Lord. He said, don't be anxious for anything. And if we look at it in context here, I don't think that Paul is switching gears and just talking about people being worried about things. I think he's specifically addressing still this issue between these two ladies that has caused a lot of angst in the church. This has caught, caused a lot of, of people to be on pins and needles and worried about whether their church is going to survive or whether their church is going to continue to be effective or whether this is ever going to get resolved. And I think that what he's saying, listen, we need to rejoice in the Lord. We need to be gentle. We need to be humble. We need to make sure that we're giving these things to the Lord and that we're work, allowing him to work in our hearts, thankful, a thankful heart. And then that peace of God is going to come, and it's going to flood. Let's read Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think over and over again on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and you saw in me, these you need to do, and the God of peace will be... With you, He said, if there's any virtue, that if there's anything praiseworthy, going back once again to what? Thankfulness. Going back again to reminding us to praise God for the things that he's done in our lives and for who he is and to allow our hearts to be filled with praise to God. To think on those types of things, the things that stir up worship in our hearts, the things that stir up praise to God in our hearts. He said, these are the things you need to think about. Praiseworthy would indicate thankfulness. And if I meditate or if I repeat over and over in my mind the things that are praiseworthy, then it's going to affect my heart. It's going to affect my attitudes. It's going to affect my words. It's going to affect my actions. And it's going to keep me focused moving forward. And it's going to help me preserve unity and grow in spiritual maturity. In verse 9, he says, the things you've heard, he said, you need to do those things. He said, when you do those things, then the God of peace is going to be with you. He said, listen, if you want to walk your own way, and you want to be anxious, and you want to be worried and filled with fear, he said, then don't think on those things. Keep doing the things that you were doing. He said, but if you do these things that I've just got through teaching you, he said, it's going to put you in a position where you're walking in the peace of God. He said the God of peace is going to be walking with you. So here's the thing. Are we willing to admit our faults? Are we willing to admit our weaknesses? Are we willing to attempt reconciliation or at least live with gentleness and humility? Or are we too concerned about being right? You know, I I think that sometimes there are occasions where We can forgive individuals. We can forgive them and we can release that. But maybe reconciliation is is just not possible because the two sides just, you know, either can't come together or one person, you know, doesn't want to reconcile. Or maybe it's just not a good idea at the time for reconciliation. But there can still be forgiveness and healthy boundaries put in place. Because I know there are certain situations where there have been things maybe that have happened in a marriage or there's things that have happened in life. And that those things have really created a lot of barriers. And so I'm not saying you go be best friends and you just restore and reconcile a relationship because that doesn't mean we have to go and just let people run over us and what they did was okay and everything was okay. That's not what I'm saying. But can we at least live with gentleness in our lives? Because Paul said live with gentleness before all men because the Lord is at hand. Can you at least live with gentleness and not bash and always speak negatively and not put others down especially those who have wounded you, those who have offended you, those who did things that maybe weren't right to you, and it's not fair, and it's not right, and you're so concerned uh, about everyone knowing how right you are and how wrong the other person is, that you're willing to go and destroy the other individual. And God says, listen, that's not right. I want you to live gently before all men, being a person who understands the gospel and giving that same love, forgiveness, and grace. Or are we too concerned about being right? Because we like being right. I mean, come on. We, some of us really like being right. Some of us can't leave the room without feeling like we were right. We won't let it go. We keep rehashing it over and over again just to make sure it's understood that we're right. Now, we're understanding that I'm right and you're wrong, right? Right. Right. And you won't let it go. That's a, lot, that, that's a great way to put wedges between people. That's a great way to lose friends. If you always have to impose your, your desire to always be right. He said, walk with gentleness. Be more interested in preserving unity. Be more interested in walking gently and, and, and humbly. Okay, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk humbly. I don't have to be right in the situation. I can still live with gentleness and preserve unity. Are we so worried and anxious that we will try to manipulate and control others so that we feel safe, so we don't feel alone? That we want to manipulate other people because we're so worried instead of being able to give those things to God and allow Him to work in our hearts what needs to be worked? Are we willing to allow God to work on our hearts right here in this moment to work in us and through us a heart of repentance where we have caused division? Or where we have sown negative seeds or where we've sown negative thoughts in other people's lives? Are we willing to allow the weight of who he is to work in us such a thankful heart that it changes everything? I believe that that's what Paul is trying to communicate to the Philippians and what the Holy Spirit would want to communicate to us as a church today. That we make sure that in every area of our lives, and especially here in our church family, that we move forward with with unity, serving one another gently with humility, and that we want our lives and our church family to be a reflection of the glory of God. Amen? Not that any one of us thinks higher of ourselves than we should. Not that one of us always has to be right and everyone else is wrong, but we serve one another with humility, that we preserve unity, that we walk gently, that we want to make sure that we make things right in our relationships in church and in our relationships out of church with those that have affected us or hurt us or offended us, those at work, those in our day-to-day lives, that we make sure that our lives are being lived as a testimony for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today? Next week we're going to wrap up the book of Philippians and we're going to hit the last few verses there. I'm excited about uh, doing that. I just think that it's great that we're going... Uh, verse by verse through this book, you know, just like we did with uh, the Book of Romans. The Book of Romans was a little longer. That was 17 weeks, you know. It was a few longer. But, uh, man, I just think it's really cool when we as a church can go through the Scripture in this way. It just uh, really, really makes you feel like you have a weightier understanding of the Word. And I pray that it's challenged you, helped you to grow, and that you take this Word and that you're not just a hearer only, but that you're a doer of the Word. At the end of the service, we're going to have people up here at the front. If you have anything you want us to pray with you about, we would love to serve you in that way. We would love to be able just to agree with you, to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. as it's physical, if it's emotional, if it's financial, if it's relational, if it's spiritual, whatever is going on in your life, we want to let you know that we're available. Also, I want to let you know today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you feel Him tugging on your heart today, I want you to come down at the end of the service And I want you to let one of these prayer folks know, hey, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ, and we would love to lead you in that kind of prayer. We would love to show you the path to to continue to grow in relationship with God. If you are a new believer or someone who really wants a stronger foundation, we're offering our core class Uh, here where it's a one-on-one mentorship type thing it's just four weeks where we go through some basic things in the bible if that's of any interest to you at all please let guest services know let me or one of the pastoral staff know let one of our prayer partners know here at the end so i just believe god's just doing some really great things and we're all just growing together if you're not plugged into a community group for accountability for spiritual maturity for spiritual growth there's still availability there as well i just think there's so many opportunities for us to grow as a church family And I think we need to take advantage of those opportunities. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.